0: Welcome to p Tax Readiness podcast series. This podcast is focused on state and local tax developments and trends in the asset management industry. I'm Brittany Stanford, a director in our Dallas office, and today I will be joined by Adam Shoemaker, who is a director in our Houston office, and Brad West, a Greater Texas partner. Today, Adam is gonna be walking us through the state impact of the BBA partnership audit rules.
1: Happy to, thanks for having me today. The 2015 BBA Act, as you mentioned, reformed the federal partnership audit provisions and replaced the legacy TEFRA, or Tax Equity and Fiscal Responsibility Act of 1982 uh, partnership audit provisions. Under the historic TEFRA rules, the IRS was able to audit partnerships, but in order to make an assessment or actually collect any tax, they had to identify themselves, the ultimate taxpayers, uh, throughout the potential tiers of partnerships. So if they wanted to collect on any of that, they had to themselves go out and identify the ultimate individual or corporate taxpayers. With tiered partnership structures becoming more common and more complicated, uh, the IRS moved to implement the BPA provisions to simplify that process. And so under the BBA rules, any imputed underpayment identified at the federal level is generally defaulted uh, to being a partnership level tax assessment. Now, under the federal BBA provisions, partnerships are allowed to push out adjustments under an election to their partners to avoid the payment of tax at the partnership level. But under the revised push-out adjustments, the audited partnership is required to provide certain documentation to the IRS and to its partners related to the assessment to sort of help the IRS along to identify the ultimate taxpayers from which it should be seeking to assess that tax. Now that's a a very high level adjustment. I know we have folks on the federal side of our AWM practice as well as our Washington National Tax Practice who are very much into details on this. So I would uh, encourage if anybody has questions to reach out and we're happy to put you in contact with them. As it stands now, the revised BBA provisions were effective beginning with the 2018 tax year. From what we have seen, the federal audits have been slow to actually kick off and and somewhat non-existent given the current uh, economic environment. But the IRS has released forms, including the federal form 8978, that will be used by audited partnerships to push out any adjustments to their partners. So that's something that we expect to see an uptick on the federal audit side in in the coming years.
0: Adam, what are we seeing from the states on this in reaction to these updated rules on the federal side?
1: Yeah, great question. So, uh, again, this was 2015 issue uh, on the federal side, so it's somewhat old news there, especially after the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and more recently the CARES Act. They've gotten a lot more news for federal income tax purposes. This is still very much an active issue where states are looking into how they want to respond to the federal provisions and how taxpayers will be impacted for state income tax purposes to the extent they are audited for federal purposes. So with that in mind, uh, the Multistate Tax Commission, or MTC, uh, began in 2016 drafting a model statute that they wanted to push out to the various states to have some level of consistency in how these types of partnership audit adjustments are reported for state income tax purposes. They were joined in that effort by the Interested Parties Group, which was comprised of different taxpayer representative organizations, including AICPA Cost. ABA, TEI and MLPA or EIC. That project was wrapped up in 2018. There is now a current model that is being or has been pushed out to the different state uh, legislatures for consideration. The model generally works somewhat backwards from how the federal provisions are in place in that any adjustments reported for state purposes are defaulted to being pushed out to the partners. So, the entity-level payment is not the default for state purposes, those adjustments are pushed out. The push-out provisions are generally expected to be subject to the state's existing non-resident withholding or composite payment requirements. And then there is an optional election for audited partnerships to make an adjustment to make a payment at the entity level in lieu of pushing out that adjustment. So if the partnership wanted to just kind of make the payment like they may have done for federal purposes and avoid the whole process of pushing out adjustments and and potentially amended K-1s out to the partners, there's a procedure in place to do that. But I will say that it's somewhat nuanced and complicated as the states generally look to assess different amounts depending on the different partner types. So, a resident partner is treated differently than a non-resident partner in determining the portion of the partnership level uh, tax payment that would be due. Awesome, Adam. I appreciate that. So, a question, you know, we've got this MTC statute and, you know, not all states necessarily are going to be adopting this so just kind of curious we've got 50 regimes right so what's been the adoption timeline and how are we looking right now yeah so again the model statute was wrapped up in late 2018 so it's relatively new i know the interested party organization that i mentioned worked with the mtc on drafting the statute i started reaching out to the different stakeholders, so be that the state legislators the state cpa society departments of revenue or Stakeholder in those states for each state that has not adopted some version of the model to kind of recommend that they consider moving towards some sort of conformity with the MTC model. I think this was expected to be a pretty big year, the, the 2020 legislative session for states adopting the model statute. But obviously, the, uh, the COVID-19 outbreak and kind of the current environment of state legislatures has slowed that down quite a bit. So I, I think this is something we're going to see over the next couple of years that even drug out how states are going to respond to the federal audit provisions, um, knowing that, again, federal audits are Are likely a kickoff in in earnest here coming in the next year or so, presumably. So states are going to want to be able to have their rules uh, in place for how uh, taxpayers will need to report state portions of those adjustments prior to audit finalization likely in the next few years.
0: Adam, when we do have a client who is going to undergo a federal audit, what footfalls or issues do we anticipate from a state side on this implementation?
1: Yeah, so there's a handful of things I think that are worth kind of noting here, talking through. The biggest one and first one, I think, is just knowing that although the federal and state MTC provisions do align to an extent, they are very much not the same in what they require of partners from a reporting perspective. Again, on the federal side, if the partnership defaults, they make the payment at the entity level. After an audit assessment, that's sort of the end of it if they elect to push out the adjustment to their partners, they file this Federal Form 8978 that gets reported out to all their partners. And so, for example, if you had a 2019 tax year audit that was reported out to the partners in 2021. Those partners would pick up their share of the audit adjustment income and expenses on their 2021 tax year returns. That sort of streamlines the process on the federal side. However, in the MTC model, it's actually requiring the audited partnership and the partners to go back and amend returns for the uh, reviewed year. So in that same scenario, you would have amended uh, partnership and partner returns required for the 2019 tax year, even though there's no sort of corresponding federal amended returns. So there's a nuance there, and I think it creates even a potential state modification issue where if you're picking up income at the partner level in the current year for which an amended state return has already been filed, you want to make sure you're avoiding kind of picking up that income twice for state income tax purposes. The second thing I think to consider is that beginning in 2018, for federal income tax purposes, the partnership representative was a designation introduced to in- replace the tax matters partner as part of the BBA provisions. The partnership representative is it has much more power than the, uh, than the tax matters partner ever did historically, specifically the partnership representative can agree with the IRS to make any elections that they want to, any sort of settlements they want to during an audit provision or during an audit process. Similarly, the NTC provisions uh, define a state partnership representative who defaults to your federal partnership, oper- partnership representative absent some election to the alternative. And it's the same deal where that that state partnership representative has the ultimate power. The states and the federal government are not required to listen or even uh, collect information from any of the other partners when they're going through these audit procedures. And so I I think to the extent you're not comfortable with that approach, the the way I've seen other taxpayers address this is, is consider amending their partnership agreements to have some sort of notification requirements built in that way, but there's not anything in the tax law that would require a uh, partner to be notified that a partnership audit even exists or up until they're receiving a push-out adjustment, potentially. So that's sort of something to note that that depending on how much uh, insight you have into the activity at the audited partnership level could be a surprise. And I think that's a a specific issue in the AWM space, right? And maybe in the private equity space in particular, if you have some portfolio companies that are potentially being audited, you may want to consider how much kind of insight or influence you have there. Are you expecting to be notified of a partnership audit once it's kicked off? Do you have any ability to request input on elections that may be made during that process? Even up to just kind of general timing for finalizing a federal audit, I I would expect there's some flexibility there. So ideally, you would want to be, if you're considering a push-out adjustment, you'd want to kind of time that to where it's not hitting right in the middle of busy season that you're also making push-out adjustments and and filing different forms, amended returns for state purposes at the same time you're filing your current year returns. And then one other, uh, I think, significant nuance that I've seen that I'm not sure everyone has sort of thought through is that on the federal side of the BBA provisions, an imputed underpayment is defined to include partner reallocations. So, even if there's no change at the partnership level in total income and total expense, but you had a misallocation of income and expenses between partners that can constitute an imputed underpayment that would require payment at the partnership level via the default provisions. So even if you're on the state side sitting in a situation where you're, you're just picking up allocated income from a portfolio company level, you may not be particularly concerned about some of the federal provisions and how they're changing federal income. But to the extent that sort of reallocation between the partners changes your allocation at the between partners at the fund level, you could have a, a state impact that you may not have otherwise considered there. And then finally, one uh, one kind of interesting quirk here, I think, is that the BBA provisions generally repeal the ability of a partnership to file an amended return for federal income tax purposes. So this is. A situation where if a partnership is looking to make an adjustment to the return, presumably a positive adjustment for their partners, they have to go through the AAR administrative adjust request process. That's not a process that, from my understanding, most states actually have sort of an equivalent to. So, again, you could end up in a situation where are there amended state returns required where that's not the case for federal purposes. And I should note that under the CARES Act, there was a recent revenue proc that came out on the federal side that does allow partnerships to file amended returns for 2018 and 2019 through September 15th of 2020. But sort of after that period, we're back in this place where for federal purposes, there are no amended partnership returns allowed to be filed.
0: Great, Adam. Thanks. We truly appreciate this insight. This is really great information, particularly as it relates to issues that may arise from an investor relations perspective. I think it's a great time for taxpayers to be sure to reach out to your tax advisors to help you through this process because it is complex. Brad and Adam, thanks for jumping in on this discussion. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode. Be sure to visit PwC's Tax Readiness website, where you can find our webcasts and sign up for PwC Insights and subscribe to additional podcast episodes.
1: This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved.